Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. I am Alana, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Jamie. Today, we're going to be talking about the excuses that we can make to not pray. But before we jump into it, I just want to uh, give a disclaimer that we're not here to bash you over the head and say, stop making these excuses. So this is still, as always, a guilt-free episode where we're just going to be talking about some of these common excuses that might be preventing you from having the prayer life that you want to have, and so how we can overcome these excuses. So let's jump in with a word of prayer. God, we just come before you with open hearts and open minds, asking you to just search us and reveal any excuses that we might be making that um, that we're not even aware of about why we're not praying more. And I just pray against um, any guilt any feelings of inadequacy when it comes to our prayer lives. And I just pray that you would give us just power to move forward and to just be really excited about talking to you and seeing you work in amazing ways through prayer. Amen. And our verse of the day today comes from Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. And it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And we thought this would be appropriate just because when we're talking about making excuses, um, it's it comes down to making individual choices throughout the day of what am I going to choose? Am I going to choose a or B, and and there's always a choice to be made, and those choices are going to either bear fruit and, you know, like talking about what you reap is going to be eternal things, or you're going to reap destruction or, you know, things that aren't eternal. Um, this might be a little bit of a heavy-handed analogy when it comes to prayer and making prayer excuses, but the law of reaping and sowing is, you know... It comes down to what do we want to be investing in? And so I think as we approach this topic, we just kind of maybe approach it from the, the idea of what do we want to be investing in? And the fact that prayer is valuable and it is exciting and it is making an, an earthly difference and bringing God's power. And so that kind of makes the excuses seem not as important or the other things that we could choose over prayer seem not as good. So I think when we look at it from that framework. but. Again, we're not here to, to bring guilt or anything. We just want to be open to God's work and God's um, revelation of, of ways that we are sabotaging our prayer lives through excuses and just move forward in, in an exciting and, and a fruitful prayer life. Yeah, I think that's great. And I'm so glad you used the concept of investing because I think that's the perfect word in that. <clears throat> excuse me, in that when we invest in something, there is a cost involved, you know, and I think a big problem is when people just assume that prayer is supposed to be 100% natural and easy, and it's not, so they give up or feel guilty or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I totally agree, and yeah. Um, well, our Just for Fun question today is um, have you ever made up an excuse, speaking of excuses, have you ever made up an excuse to get out of something? 
Um, let's see, an excuse to get out of something. I'm sure I have. You know, it's funny. So I had this dream after my oldest was born that I was at a church potluck and I was washing dishes. And I remember feeling sad because our church was so sweet. Like my husband grew up there and we were the youngest couple there by far. Like, you know, it had been maybe even like five or 10 years since anyone had even thought about, you know, babies or anything. So I was totally spoiled. And, but I had this dream that we were at a potluck after my son was born and like I had to do the dishes because I didn't have an excuse. <laughs> but, um, so I don't think I ever used the excuse of like, oh, I'm pregnant. I can't help clean up. But at that church, right. they definitely like, no, you sit down, you just rest and relax. It was actually very, very sweet of them. That is nice. What about you? I would say I have, uh, speaking of pregnancy, I remember when I was pregnant with my third um, that I had to go, I wasn't on bed rest, but I was on like, whatever, I don't know what they would call it, but just, you know, try to sit down as much as you can. Yeah. With a two-year-old toddler or one-year-old toddler running around or I guess he was two, you know, as much as you can sit down. And so I think um, I remember that one of my neighbors was like, you shouldn't be vacuuming. And so I said that jokingly to my husband. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to be vacuuming. And yeah, I, I think, and he did. Actually, I will say, just to give, give props to my husband, I went into the hospital unexpectedly because she came earlier than the scheduled C-section because of some complications. And so... Um, while I was in the hospital, some people from our church wanted to come and kind of clean up for when I came home, which was so mm-hmm. nice. That is nice. And one of the women came and said, I have never seen cleaner toilets. Your husband must have like, and she went into the bathroom, you know, to clean the toilets. And she's like, your toilets were immaculate. And my husband had gotten the kids because he was embarrassed like for our house to be messy for these women to come in and they had cleaned. <laughs> before wow. they cleaned. That was just so cool. And you know, my husband is not a big like housekeeping guy. So it was really, that was kind of cool. Um, so I didn't make up an excuse, but I liked having that excuse of pregnancy to get out of some stuff that I normally don't care to do. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into kind of the meat of our show, where, as we mentioned, we're talking about excuses that we can make not to pray. And again, we don't want to be heavy-handed with this. We don't want to beat you guys over the head. We just want to talk about some of the excuses that Jamie and I have made in our own prayer lives and maybe show that these are, you know, these are real excuses that can block us from from our prayers. Um, Speaking of blocks, I guess this would be a good time to talk about our new course, Smash Your Prayer Blocks, because we're going to be talking about a lot of the not only conscious excuses that we make not to pray, which is what we're talking about in this episode, but how would you describe it, Jamie? Just sometimes these blocks can even be subconscious, right? I think so. It's so funny because as we, you know, we we brainstormed and we took some... um, information from some listeners that had prayer blocks of their own and Mm -hmm. you know we we did that but as we went through making this retreat um i found myself 
exposing, you know, just kind of going through it myself and, and figuring some blocks that I didn't even know that I had. So yeah, I think some of them are, some of them you're going to go into saying, oh yeah, this definitely is something I need to, I need to, you know, do this session first because this is the one that I struggle with most. But mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to go into it not even thinking that there's an issue and God will just open your eyes to another layer that he, you can, you know, shed toward, you know, mm-hmm. tearing down those those layers that stand between you and God and a more powerful prayer life. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you wanted information about that prayer retreat, it is at prayingchristianwomen.com slash blocks. And again, one of the components we talk about in that course or retreat are these excuses that we make not to pray and how to beat them, which is what we're talking about on today's show. So I guess, Jamie, let's just jump in. What are some of the most common excuses that you've made in your own prayer life or that you know that others have made? I think one of mine, one of my biggest ones is the excuse that, well, God is smarter than me and he knows what he's doing and he already has a plan. So who am I to step in, you know, and, and almost a confusion. And, and I won't say that I totally have it figured out, but a confusion about that balance between God's will and the things that I desire. And, you know, everybody knows God could physically move a mountain if he wanted to, but he really doesn't. I don't know of any time that he really has. Um, I heard a story where he did. Oh, really? Oh, that's pretty cool. There was this church that was on this kind of cliffside that was getting eroded. It had something to do with that. And basically the city told the church building, you need to like move your building. And they said, well, what if we pray? I I forget all the details, but basically it was, well, what if we pray about something else? And basically like, I forget how it worked, but yeah, like God stopped the erosion. He moved the cliffside. He did something really, really cool. That's really neat. So I wish I weren't so vague. (laughs) Yes. At least in one chance amount. Okay, wait, here's a question. This has nothing to do with our topic, but when you picture the verse where he says, if you, you know, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. How do you picture that looking? The The silly picture in my mind is a cartoon mountain doing a swan dive into the ocean. That's hilarious. But that's because I have a cartoon picture too. Do you really? I'm and my picture is like a mountain, cartoon mountain, like picking up its skirts and like <laughs> running into the water. Okay, good because I didn't know if that's what you were getting at, or if you were getting at the like scientifically. How do you no, think like, this would I be accomplished? Totally have a cartoon picture in my head of it. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> there must be something there. <laughs> Maybe just because we know that you know, like things like that don't happen unless it's, you know, an old Looney Tunes cartoon or something. Maybe that's it. It's a generational thing. Maybe. All right. So back on to prayer excuses. But back on. So I have a problem with, I know God can do anything that he wants. I know that he doesn't always. And I don't, um, I think the first part is I I don't want to impose on his will. I'm like, well, I don't want to pray against God's will because that prayer isn't going to happen. So how do I know what to pray? And the second part of it is that I don't want to disappoint others. I feel like at this point in my life, I'm not going to stop believing in God. I know that even if my prayer doesn't get answered in the way that I think it will, I'm not going to give up on my faith. And so I just think that um, 
I, I think that I'm afraid mostly of others. So if I pray boldly in front of other people, I'm going to have to make apologies for God if mm-hmm. he doesn't do the thing that I'm asking because then they're not going to believe that he's real. I know how things work, you know. <laughs> I know that God doesn't always do, and I really, I don't know how God, how things work. But um, does that make sense that I'm, it's almost oh, a fear yeah. of, uh, like being afraid for God's reputation. Yeah, we've talked about that in praying with kids, you know. Yes. When wants to pray, oh, well, let's pray that we could all take a vacation to Disneyland or something, and you just know that that's not happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. <clears throat> I want to go back to what you said first, too, about this idea that God knows the future. Because I have this question when it comes to politics. I felt really weird the last presidential election cycle. I felt weird praying anything other than, all right, God, your will be done, because I didn't want to, I knew that whoever was chosen, like that was a person that God had chosen, and I didn't want to pray against that, you know, but I also knew that I had my own opinions, you know, and Christians across the country were very opinionated about, you know, on on both sides of the political spectrum, about who they thought, you know, was God's person. So I feel really weird about that in a political sense because it's so clear that, yes, whoever is elected is God's chosen. And I don't want to, you know, I feel kind of like David when he had the chance to kill Saul, like, who am I to pray against the person God chose? Right. But, you know, like, let's go back. I mean, we use Hitler all the time, but let's go back to Hitler. Like, if people, if enough people had prayed against Hitler's rise to power— Maybe world history would have totally changed. So there's that too. So yeah, that's a big, big question mark for me. I have a hard time with that. Yeah, that's a really good, that is a really good question. And I have that same thing too. In fact, I I can think of maybe one or two times that I've prayed anything political for that reason. Because even if I have strong feelings, I think, well, you know, maybe God's going to accomplish the greater good by doing something else. And I know, and, and I don't think that that's necessarily the right thing to do, but it is, it's, that is something that, mm-hmm. that keeps me from praying more fervently. Cause I know some people go to the opposite extreme and place, you know, basically go like, yes, the political system is, that's how we're going to, our, our land is going to be redeemed and our, our country mm-hmm. is going to become, you know, turned toward God is through, the people in leadership and I'm not one to say that that's not true. And so I don't know. That is very, yeah, very good. You know, a Bible passage or story comes to mind about that is when David's baby that he had had with Bathsheba was so ill Mm -hmm. and he was fasting and praying fervently for the baby to be healed and the baby died. And at that point he got up off the ground and said, okay, that must've been God's will. I think that that gives us a picture of freedom that we can pray fervently, you know, like he was praying fervently. The man after God's heart was praying fervently. Mm -hmm. And you can't say that this child died because David didn't pray hard enough. And so you have to conclude it was God's will for this baby to be taken, you know, as sad of a story as it was, but David isn't ever um, condemned or found guilty for praying what was on his heart. You know, so I feel like we do have freedom to pray as long as we just sort of recognize that God's will isn't our will. 
And yeah, so these excuses that you and I have made <laughs> about politics probably aren't valid reasons to not be praying the way we should. No, and I think if anything, it is hindering our relationship with God. I mean, you've made this connection many times of a relationship between husband and wife and just that, mm -hmm. um, the way that, you know, think of that if you, you know, if, if I'm, uh, if I want something, you know, like I want to take a, va a family vacation and I'm not sure if my husband can get off work or if he really wants to or if he feels like it's a mm -hmm. wise choice and I don't even go to him with that request. I mean, I just think back to James, you know, you have not because you ask not. I think right. there are some things that, you know, it doesn't hurt to go to God. It's not like if God has, you know, in his mind that, yes, this is, this is what's going to happen and this is the best and, and we pray for it and put our things out there um, with open hands. I, I had never thought of David's prayer like that and I really like that because it really is a great illustration of heartfelt prayers and yet afterwards he didn't say, why God? He said, right. it really stinks, but okay, God, this was your plan <clears throat> and I'm okay with that. I like that. That's a really neat picture to hang on to when it yeah. comes to that kind of problems. Well, going back to just prayer excuses in general, I know one that I fell into even for a couple years, like I'm so ashamed to have to admit this, but this idea of like, I'm a doer, not a prayer, or like for this season in my life, I'm called to ministry. At other seasons, I'm called to prayer. I really fell into this when I started writing all these novels and got super busy with that and just kind of took it for granted that, okay, I'm doing God's work. He's going to make it all work out. No, I'm not praying as much as I used to, but you know, this is the time, you know, I'm doing what God has called me to do, which I still believe. But, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about several times that prayer has to be what gives power to our service and our ministry or else it's for nothing. Yeah. And I honestly still struggle with that mentality rising up in me when I'm praying with people, particularly about something that needs action. Um, and even with us, you know, with our, with our podcast or with our, you know, prayer ministry. And there are times when it just bubbles up in me like, oh, I want to just get going. I'm motivated right now to start working. And we have this time. And I now in my brain know that that's not the right way to do it. So I'm, I'm growing mm -hmm. in that area, but I really do. I still struggle with that Martha versus Mary complex of doing over sitting at the feet of Jesus and, you know, but, yeah. um, but it, it's becoming easier over time. But I think it's something that's just, you know, it's, it's something that we have to keep in check because, and, oh, and not sure. be discouraged when it keeps coming up because it's okay. I mean, it's like the exercise metaphor that we've used, um, you know, you're exercising your ability to, um, you're training yourself to become more, more better at prayer. <laughs> more better. I want to be more better. Dear God, make me more better. <laughs> Yeah, so another excuse that I feel like people can get into, and this is one I feel like I get my feathers ruffled about because I just don't like that people have this, are made to have this mentality. Like I'm not mad at the people who have it. I'm mad at the people who make them have it. Um, <clears throat> and that's this sense of, okay, prayer is hard, so I must be doing it wrong, or prayer is hard, so it must not be my gift. Like, I, I remember being a little kid, like elementary age in church, and whoever was speaking 
told this story about like, well, prayer is easy, so why shouldn't we pray? Mm. And I carried that with me for like decades, or like, you know, decade and a half maybe where I'm like, oh, prayers must be easy. What's wrong with me? Right. Like in my thought now, looking back, it's like, what was wrong with that guy? Like, why does he <laughs> think that prayer's easy? You know, like, what does he know that I don't? Right. <laughs> because it's not like prayer takes a lot of mental energy, a lot of focus. I don't feel like there's a whole lot easy about it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think along the same lines with that um, myth or um, yeah, let's believe that. that's a myth. Yeah, <laughs> along with that myth is um, that some people are specially gifted in prayer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I forget where I was reading, but there was someone that talked about how if you're in a church where there are certain people in that church that are elevated to the status of like, you know, basically, um, that have like a special, a special like access to God's ear, um, that it can be detrimental to the congregation because they begin to rely on those people as the prayers and then they assume that they don't have that special connection. So why bother? And, and I'll give my prayer request to them or they can do the praying for the church, but we don't need to because we're not as gifted. And that's not to say that there aren't some people that are more passionate about prayer or that God has mm-hmm. maybe elevated as like, hey, this is this is your special calling to, right. you know, uh, that, they're, that maybe they have a calling to be, I don't even want to say to be prayer warriors because we all we're have all that. Calling. Calling. We're all yeah. called to pray. But, you know, maybe this is, this is a passion of theirs and this is something that, yeah. um, that they're specifically burdened for, you know, but that it can be damaging to have that view that, oh, there are these, you know, little old lady prayer warriors and I'm not going to be a prayer warrior till I'm 77. Um, you know, so I don't know. I think that goes in the same vein that, that others are more gifted and Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've seen anywhere that that's biblical. No, no. It's like prayer isn't lifted, listed in the lists of spiritual gifts, you know, but I, I do want to add though, that the gift of faith is mentioned. Right. And I've heard that de- described kind mm-hmm. of as you know, like you picture George Mueller, for example, just somebody who has a higher than normal level of faith that God's going to answer his prayers and sees a higher level than normal answer to prayers. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like, yeah, George Mueller, I, I am totally fine saying he was more effective at praying than I am, (laughs) but I can't make that my excuse and say, well, I'm not George Mueller, so I'm not, I don't have to pray. Right. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Any other prayer requests? I'm sorry. Prayer excuses (laughs) that we can fall into. I think um, when you have prayer overwhelm because there are just too many things to pray for, you look yeah. at your list and you think, oh, I've got to set aside time later mm-hmm. to pray for that because there's so many on my list. Um, yeah. That can become an excuse and, a, you know, it can just paralyze you from praying yeah. because you think, you know, there's just so much to do. Um, and so when that happens, um, it, it can definitely, your perspective can um, can just be that there's there's no point in beginning if I'm not going right. to be able to get through all of it. 
Well, and there's a sense of guilt sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think about this anymore because to me it makes absolute sense that I'm going to pray more for my children. Sorry, Jamie, than I pray for your children. <laughs> and I do pray for your children, but not nearly to the degree. Right, of course. And I don't feel guilty about that. No. But I think before I became a mom, I always felt like, well, if I'm praying for A, that means mm-hmm. I'm not praying as much for B. Right. And who am I to say that A is more important to pray for than B? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you do, you just get, I think, overwhelmed is the, the right word for it. And sometimes even paralyzed, you know, I feel like that's a similar thing to what we talked about in like presidential elections and stuff. You just, you feel paralyzed. You don't even know where to start. Yeah. And I feel like this is where the idea of a prayer burden can really be helpful. Like as moms, we are given a prayer burden for our children. I feel like as a Christian mother, that is the most natural or grandmother or whatever, the most natural thing in the world to want to pray for. And that's good. Like we should embrace that. Um, and other people are given other prayer burdens, you know, and so you might have a prayer burden for praying about kids in the foster system, whereas your husband might have a prayer burden for praying for homeless people. You don't look at him and say, oh, I can't believe you're praying for all these homeless people. Don't you know there are foster kids that we need to be praying for? And he doesn't right. look at you and say, why are you praying for all these foster kids? Don't you know that there are homeless people to pray for? You just can look at each other and be like, oh, isn't it great? that God has given us both prayer burdens for different things. And then you can kind of trust God to make it work out. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to trust that when I'm praying for this country, God's going to have other people that he's calling to pray for that country so that you don't feel responsible for every single country in the world. Oh, I agree. And I think a lot of times like, one of my overwhelms is the world. I mean, I just, I look at all yeah, the stuff going on in the start? world <laughs> and where do you start? But it's really interesting if you start to, um, okay, I don't have the person that said this originally. So um, Emily P. Freeman, who's an author and a blogger and a podcaster, quoted this from someone else, but it's pay attention to the things that make you cry. And so I, and and the idea is if you're reading the headlines, if you're talking to people and there are issues that, that make you cry or make you sad or evoke an emotional response in you, um, maybe write them down and look for a common thread because it could be that, you know, maybe um, you have, uh, you get upset when you hear, um, about a child that was abused or you, mm-hmm. you know, you see the refugee crisis and you, you have this heart for, oh, what about the children? And so you go through and you identify the fact that you have a prayer burden for, um, for children who are suffering or, I don't know, that might not be the best example. No, I totally get what you're saying. There could be a common thread. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, I have to pray for the children in the Middle East. I have to pray for this child in this situation or the sex trade or whatever. Mm-hmm. You realize that you have a prayer burden for oppressed children and you can name that and consolidate all these different individual prayer needs into one topic and lift that up yeah. as a, I don't know, I feel like a prayer burden can be a nice way to package up the things that seem overwhelming in, in sure. the, the yeah. general big sense. Yeah. I remember someone posted on Facebook. It was something like, tell me your three favorite books and I'll tell you something about yourself. And I was kind of joking because I'm like, all right, my three favorites, we've got To Kill a Mockingbird, Anna Karenina, and Les Mis. Like I feel, it, when I wrote it, I'm like, I feel like all that tells you about me is I'm kind of a snob for the classics. And <laughs> 
she was she was familiar enough with each of those books she came back with such a unique perspective actually i feel like the common theme in all of these are issues of like inequality and mm-hmm. injustice and you know just this sense of humanitarianism mm-hmm. and i realized oh yeah that actually is <laughs> like That's those are the, the issues that get me yeah just issues of justice and things like that so even if you think about you know what are your few favorite movies? What do they have in common? What are your few favorite books? I feel like that really can help pinpoint your prayer burden. Oh, that's so neat. I need to try yeah. that. I couldn't think of them off the top of my head, but yeah, uh, that's really neat. We'll make that our just for fun for next episode so you okay. can have time to gotta hurry up and think. <laughs> no, but it really is neat because once you're given a prayer burden, you know, let's take being a mom as an example. You know, I don't feel guilty that I don't pray for the kids across the street as much as I pray for my own kids. It never even enters my head, mm-hmm. you know, and that doesn't mean that I would refuse to pray for someone else's kids, but I just know that I can't pray as thoroughly for everybody. And so it's going to make way more sense for me to pray for my three kids very fervently than to have a hundred kids that I want to pray for every single day where all I can get through is bless him, bless her, bless them. And so I feel like recognizing your prayer burden can help you really dive in deep to prayer topics and it can help with that overwhelm. We had friends. So Scott and I, when we got married, were planning on becoming missionaries and we were raising support. We had friends, super good friends, that we were certain would want to be on our prayer team. And we wanted them because they were, you know, very thorough prayers. And they told us that they did not have mental and spiritual space to add another missionary couple to their prayer list. But that as soon as, like, they had a, a friends that they had been praying for for decades who were close to retirement, and they said, once they're off the field we will be sure to let you know. And at first I was kind of offended because I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want to pray for us? You know, I was still under that mindset of that pastor I told you about, like prayer is like prayer doesn't take anything, but they realized if we're going to agree to pray for you, we're going to be praying really, really thoroughly. And I mean, isn't that the kind of person you would want praying for you and not the person who would just say, oh yeah. And then they throw your picture up on their fridge and think about you, you know, twice a year when someone comes over and says, oh, who's that? Yeah, that's amazing. That really, you know, that is, that's really telling because it is just so a lot of times we're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Or you'll get like, um, I have to admit, you know, when I was in, I was right out of college and I sent out my support letters because I went on a mission trip to Mm -hmm. Kenya and I tagged on the end. If you can't financially support me, definitely. I love your prayers. And I meant that, but Mm -hmm. realistically, in my head, if I could pick one or the other, I would have picked the financial support to get me mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And what's really telling is the fact that many people, when we get those letters, you know, and say, oh, yeah, well, I'll pray for you, think about that and and realize that it is a commitment. And it is, yeah. I just love that. I've never heard of anyone with turning prayer, down a request to turning pray. Turning down a request to pray. And, you know, yeah, that, that just, shows you that they are serious about their careers. That's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. And so after my initial, like, what do you mean you can't be praying for me? (laughs) I mean, they weren't saying we would never pray for you. They just said, we cannot Mm -hmm. commit 
to, you know, covering you in prayer, like yeah. a missionary needs to be covered in prayer. Wow. Uh, once I got over that initial, like, why in the world would you say no? I really was like, oh, I hope your friends retire soon because we want you praying for us. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add before we close up the show on prayer excuses? I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think so. All right. Um, just, well, one, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, one more time, if you listening were interested in our Smash Your Prayer Blocks prayer retreat, this has videos and some exercises, and it's meant so that you could do it, you know, in a chunk if you wanted, or you could just spend, you know, 10 minutes a day on it until you get through. And again, it's called the Smash Your Prayer Blocks prayer retreat, and you can sign up for that at prayingchristianwomen.com slash block. And again, if you have enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a comment or review. Let us know if there's anything that you want us to discuss, any topics that are heavy on your heart that are related to being a praying Christian woman today. And like always, we're going to leave you with our blessing and benediction. May God open doors of ministry for you today so that you may proclaim the word of the Lord courageously and effectively. May your speech always be seasoned with grace so you may know how to answer anyone who asks about the great salvation you've been granted through Christ. May God use you today to open eyes that are blind, to proclaim freedom for captives. May you never be ashamed of the gospel, but instead proclaim it boldly to those who need to hear. And our benediction is from Colossians three sixteen and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. Amen. Amen.